this is not going to make changes overnight. And it's unlikely for everyone to wake up and have a whole new, completely changed world. That is unlikely. And to try and just change that suddenly is highly unlikely. When Sitzer, you know, was decided, yes, they would say it's more negotiable, but it has not markedly changed. They have to have more transparency. They're being more careful with their buyers. They're doing, you know, a radical thing called a buyer presentation. You know, we're used to listing presentations. Now agents will say, I'm not comfortable with that. I haven't had to do that with buyers before. Well, so that's a comfort zone that you have to break out of and get some flexibility and get some coaching and training on that and become comfortable. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where your host, Tracy Velt, Senior Director of Data and Content, interviews the brightest minds in real estate. Each week, brokerage leaders, top agents, team leaders, and industry experts join Tracy to share trends, secrets to success, and lessons they've learned navigating this ever-changing industry. Hi, this is Tracy Velt, Senior Director of Data and Content for Housing Wire. And today I'd like to welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, Julie Harris. She is the co-founder of the Tim and Julie Harris Coaching, um, along with her husband, Tim. Uh, it's award-winning coaches in the real estate industry, and they also have a podcast called The Real Estate Coaching Radio that is a must-listen. So welcome, Julie. Thank you. It is absolutely my pleasure to be here and to share this podcast with you, Tracy. I'm a big fan of you and all that you do at Housing Wire. You guys bring so much to the industry and it's just a pleasure to work with you always. So thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks. And the feeling is absolutely mutual. Um, Julie and Tim contribute to Housing Wire um, for, for content and do a phenomenal job of that. Um, very popular content on our site. So thank you for that. Um, thank do want to get into a little bit, you've been a successful coach for some time, and, and just for the audience that doesn't know your background, um, why don't you give us a little background on how you got started in coaching and where you came from? Sure, you got it, and I'll try and keep it pretty bullet-pointed and succinct, so you can interrupt me or tell me enough is enough if you ever need to, um, but Tim and I, uh, we've been married for 31 years, and went to high school together, went to college together. We sold real estate for just under a decade in the 90s and 2000s when we were in our 20s and early 30s. And we used to sell between 100 and 200 homes per year, every year. Some, some people will say, oh, anybody can do that once. You know, you must have listed a subdivision or a building. No, it was year in and year out, one house at a time. We did have some builders, but it was generally one house at a time. Um, and so after, well, we sold 103 houses our first year and we got the attention of NAR. And they ran an article about us being um, agents of the year. I think it was 98 or 99 in there. And of course, we looked like we were 12 years old. So that got some attention. And, and that one thing led to the next. We wrote a book. Our first book was zero to 10 million. And keep in mind, you know, pricing wasn't what it was. So 10 million was kind of a big deal back then. And it was about 100 houses. So that, that was zero to 10 million in one year. And that led to some coaching, although we wouldn't have called it coaching back then. It was more, you know, training and shadowing. Agents used to shadow each other to learn best practices and things of that nature. So that was kind of our first foray into coaching. Um, then we were involved with Howard Brinton. I don't know if you remember Howard and Star Power. We're very involved with him. We were Star Power stars, and a lot of our friends to this day are from that group. And then 
we also had, you know, we had our coaching clients, but then if we fast forward a bit, we were Mike Ferry coaches for about four or five years, did a lot of coaches training, did a lot of events. We ran some of uh, Mike's divisions for a couple of years. And then the housing crash happened and everything changed. As some of you know, um, I think you probably have some recollection of what wild times that was. And we left Mike, we revamped our own coaching business because we saw such a great need. Nobody, if you recall those times, nobody, I mean, even the banks didn't know how to handle short sales REOs and, and this was unprecedented. So we had the largest short sale program, the largest REO program uh, coaching. And we also have our uh, premier coaching clients, our, our elite coaching clients are our one-on-one clients. And we have Harris certified coaches now that handle a lot of that business. Um, they do a semi-private call every single day for our coaching clients. And then um, we have our own private clients. Those are the one-on-one kind of the higher end coaching. Um, so I, all of our coaches are actively licensed. We require that they stay licensed and that they're selling. I am actively licensed always. I'm licensed in Texas. I'm going to get licensed in Florida this year as well, uh, because I believe strongly that you have to stay very frosty if you're going to be a great coach, if you're going to walk in their shoes and feel what they feel. And that's not to say that there aren't, you know, a possibility of retired, semi-retired coaches that are very good, but I really think that it adds something to say, hey, yeah, I saw that in the news today. I, 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 I know what's going on with the commission lawsuit. I know what's going on with the FCC, you know, buying of leads business. Instead of saying, well, you know, tell me more about that. That's not the client's job. That's our job to be frosty. And so that's why we believe, and that that's what our business is like today. And of course we have the podcast. Um, we have the Harris Rules book, which um, maybe I'll send some of those to you guys to share with some of your listeners. Um, so that's, that's as briefly as I can give to you, but uh, our lives are pretty much about um, helping our real estate listeners, our podcast listeners, our coaching clients. We have rental property. Again, I'm still licensed, but as far as like sales and things like that, we refer those to coaching clients um, and our rentals, writing books, writing for Housing Wire and uh, that sort of thing. So you have your finger on the pulse of the industry, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what current like themes you're really hearing from real estate agents right now. What are their challenges? What are their concerns? Well, that's a great question, and it is. I, I would lead with the quintessential concern, which you guys do a great job um, handling, especially on Mondays and Thursdays on your podcasts, and it, it's all about inventory. It's finding the right homes. It, there is not a lack of demand. There's a lack of supply. And though that is getting better, and I'm very excited to see even incremental um, inventory increases, I, I'm fond of saying you have to be an inventory detective or an inventory sleuth, and you can't just rely on your MLS. We all grew up on MLS searches, and that's great, and it, it's a great tool, but it can no longer be the only tool. So knowing where the inventory is, and I, I wrote down three things because I really think this is the number one uh, most important thing, and that is um, being better at your actual inventory, at your actual MLS searches. One of our most um, popular podcasts over the past month or two has been, it was either five or six ways to mine your inventory um, and in the MLS to be more creative with your searches. So, for example, if somebody says, 
I, ha- I want to have two acres. Well, why do you want to have two acres? Because I want to have privacy. Okay, so if I can find you a half acre lot with trees on it and you don't back to neighbors, does that satisfy your privacy? Because now I have a whole bunch of more inventory I can show. Maybe I can even find a new construction subdivision that has privacy, but we're not going to do two or three acres because maybe that's hard to find in my market. So being more creative by knowing your client at a deeper level and not just relying on the client to send you links to property they want to see because they happen to see it on the portals, right? So being much more proactive finding inventory with better searches in your MLS. And a lot of the MLSs teach that. You can take a class on how to use more, you know, more search options. The second thing is knowing about new construction. That's killer. You guys have, have done a lot of great uh, podcasts about new construction. Where is it? It's probably not lurking in your MLS. It might be some of it, but it's probably not all in your MLS. So how do you find new construction? Uh, because that's 30% of the market after all. If you don't know about it or you believe it doesn't exist in your market, you're turning your back on 30% of your potential clients. Uh, and then mining your own personal database. Who do you know who already owns? Maybe you sold it to them five years ago, but they have that house that your buyer that can't find anything in the MLS or online. Maybe you've got somebody and you can be a matchmaker. A lot of my most successful high-end coaching clients have gotten really good at this. That was one of your questions is, is trends, right? Is becoming a matchmaker so that I've got maybe a list. Maybe I've got like a legal pad that says, you know, this person, this family wants this and I, I can't find it. So maybe two weeks from now, when I'm talking to my database, doing my regular communication, I'm having coffee with one of them. They're like, you know, I would sell to the right person, you know, if I could get my price and I've always wanted to build or I've always wanted to move or maybe they're getting relocated. And now I've got a match, which is great for agents because they're all sick to death of, commu- of um, competing on every last thing. So if you can be the matchmaker, you're controlling the timing, you're controlling the negotiation, you're, you've got both sides of the transaction, or you facilitate in a different way if you're not somebody that wants to do dual agency, but you're not subject to competing against five offers, you can make it happen. And what I'm seeing as a trend is agents that know how to do that are the ones that have a lot of deals in contract right now. Yeah. In fact, um, you know, where I live, there are barely any listings in my community Mm -hmm. and I get probably a call a month, uh, mostly from people who know me, like, you know, that are agents calling, asking, Hey, you interested in moving at all? Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, we're not, but, um, but yeah, I think it's a a great, it's really a great touch point. Um, you know, Yeah, definitely. Well, and a lot of our work uh, coaching wise is scripting them to, you know, maybe, maybe your answer is no, I'm not, that's, Mm -hmm. we get prospected a lot too, uh, both in, we have a place in North Carolina and then here in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. And my answer is no, I'm keeping this forever, I think. Right. Yeah. Um, But what does the agent say when they get a no? Well, I can appreciate that. You have a really great house, but while I've got you on the phone, who do you know who could use my help buying or selling? You know, yeah. first time buyer kids, or maybe your neighbor that got relocated, or maybe there's a for sale by owner on your street, or, you know, maybe you want to tell me about, um, you know, a lot that's turning into new construction. Keep the conversation going so that you can have your wish list for client to client. So I do think that that's very valuable. And I, I know that, you know, technically and legally, we're not doing uh, pocket listings. Right. But 
That's not to say that you don't have pocket leads where if you hear about this, you can, you can bring them together. You can, you know, do it the correct way, of course. But I think that that's a major trend and smart agents right now have figured out they have to make more contact in a bigger variety of places, you know, talking to probate attorneys, divorce attorneys, maybe actually talking to for sale by owners. Uh, they have to make more contact in more places more frequently to do the same business or anywhere close to the business that they were doing in 2021, 2022, first half of 2023. Um, I see a trend that agents are realizing that those years were actually unusual. And, you know, that's, that's a common uh, client that I have coming to me is it's been long enough now. I no longer believe that rates are going to go back down and that everybody's going to have fear of missing out. And I realized that especially agents that were dependent on their uh, friends and family deals where whatever percent, 80 or 90% of them refinanced into a super low interest rate, or they purchased at a low rate where a lot of that FOMO in the market has dried up. So if you want to do the same business or more, you're going to actually have to make more effort. Yeah. And like none of that is, is really outside the box. You know what I mean? This is all things that, you know, have been discussed and discussed and discussed. So what do you think is that roadblock for agents? Because, you know, these are all things that they kind of know they should be doing, but they don't always they do. do so what is that? What do you, what are you finding is that roadblock and how are you helping agents kind of overcome that? Mm -hmm. That's a great question too. Um, I think some of this is starting to wear off. I think that they wanted it to just go back to how it was. Yeah. And I think there was a lot of shell shock at, at 8%. Mm -hmm. And for a while, there was a belief, and we see it in the numbers, you know, where the number of sales kind of dropped off a cliff when things mm -hmm. went to those rates. Um, the belief became for a while, nobody's going to transact for a while. And, it, yeah. and we have lower sales numbers to reflect that. But now we have exhaustion on that thought. Mm -hmm. The market has to come back. Just demographically, we know this. We know mm -hmm. even if you look at, I think that think that it was the tracker that I saw this, um, of the pending deals, there were still a three to one ratio of three offers for every pending. Mm -hmm. So that literally means there's three times the demand than there is the supply. Yeah. So we need to become inventory um, detectives and find mm -hmm. the supply. And I always remind you know agents that are like, oh my gosh, I can't find anything to sell. Well, you can find things to sell or we wouldn't have had millions of sales last year. Right. Somebody's figuring out how to transact. Yeah. So I think that's a, a roadblock is the addiction to the MLS doing mm -hmm. everything for you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it is harder. This is a harder market. It is. Mm -hmm. And and so you have to come to terms with it. I mean, I always say on the podcast, your best mantra is if it's meant to be, it's up to me. Don't wait for the market to pump inventory to you. Don't blame your broker for things not happening. Don't, you know, don't wait. You have to, agents have to stop waiting. Rates aren't going to be three and a half percent. You got to stop waiting. And, and the real estate gods, small G, are not going to rain inventory on you all at once. We're going to bubble up and bubble up, burn it off, burn it off, you know, and people, you know, will say, well, what if there's a lot more inventory? Three to one ratio of contracts to sales. We will sell it. <laughs> well, um, so I think it's that I, you know, I think the, the winter 
which most of the country we have to remember is suffering right now, will slow the roll. Um, but I think that the desire for the market to come roaring back is certainly there. And I see it more and more from realtors and certainly from the buyers that are pulling the trigger. Um, a trend that I see right now is uh, best agents are reminding people that you can't, you know, we know rates are going to be coming down. Okay. So why not wait for rates to come down? Well, because when rates come down and, and people get more excited, we're going to be back in bidding wars potentially, and you can't refinance the purchase price. Okay. So if you know that prices are going up and everything that you all report on and everyone is watching shows that rates will go up by how much depends on where you live and what your situation is. But if we know that prices are going up, why would you wait? If you know you want to do something, you need to get cracking right now, unless you want to get back into competitive, you know, closing the appraisal gap and all of that kind of stuff that everybody got a little exhausted on. Yeah, absolutely. So Um, and I just want to note for our audience that you mentioned a couple different things with the Housingware podcast. That's um, Housingware Daily with Sarah mm -hmm. Wheeler, who does um, a fantastic job along with um, yes. Logan Matashami in uh, talking about the housing market and the eco overall economy. Um, and then the housing market tracker is a weekly tracker that we have on the Housing Wire site um, that, that tracks all of the different um, economic indicators mm -hmm. and housing market indicators. So, Well, um, and that's can... so important because as, as I think Logan is fond of saying, reading is a good thing, right? <laughs> and, and so yeah. what, what we see on the podcast is we're going to fact you for a while so that yeah. when you see these crazy headlines, oh, you know, there's so many price reductions. Well, mm -hmm. here's a fact. Yeah. Normally, there's 30% yeah. of the market has to reduce to sell. That's not unusual. The sky is not falling. That it's mm -hmm. okay, right? Um, you know, all these, these, you know, people that like to fire it up. We, we like you, that's important to read the tracker to have your facts. Maybe you're going to a dinner party tonight and your friend says, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to wait for prices to crash. We, we hear that here quite frequently. Prices have to come down. Okay. Well, you've been saying that for three years now, how's that working out? So you got to have those facts. And I, I like, um, you know, the, everything that you mentioned, we always advise our agents and podcast listeners to watch your MLS hot sheets daily so you can see what's hot and what's not who has the price reductions who doesn't where's the new inventory what's expiring um you know know your new construction watch your daily um or your you know your local real estate read those articles read what your board sends you that way you can combat you know it is an objection basically that i don't want to do anything until prices crash till rates come down to this and that and the other and there will be people that just don't transact and that's okay but you've got to find the people who do need your help. Yeah. And we also have a weekly, Altos Research does a real-time oh, yes. weekly um, housing market tracker by zip code right. that is incredibly valuable to see real-time um, data and know yes, what's I happening in your market. So, yeah. Yes, um, Altos is great because you can personalize mm -hmm. it to your market. That's a great point. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So there's a ton of negativity in the market with just, you know, sales and, oh, the market's going to crash or whatever. We talked about that, but we also have the uncertainty of the real estate commission lawsuits. The Sitzer one has been adjudicated. It's being appealed, but we have a ton of um, 
copycat lawsuits yes. as well like all over the country. Um, and it's got agents and brokers on edge. And so how are you coaching through that fear? What are your recommendations for agents and, and brokers in kind of sure. moving forward? Yes, it is the hot topic, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So I think the first thing to remember is that this is not going to make changes overnight. And it's unlikely for everyone to wake up and have a whole new, completely changed world. That is unlikely. We have to remember that we literally have hundreds of years and millions of transactions and millions of real estate professionals who have done things in a way that made sense for a really long time. And to try and just change that suddenly is highly unlikely. And you know, the Northwest uh, MLS in the Seattle area has proven that because they were a front runner of that idea. I have coaching clients in that market. When uh, Sitzer you know, was um, decided, that was some of the first calls where I wanted to make sure I had my facts straight uh, that, you know, they, yes, it's, they would say it's more negotiable, but it has not markedly changed. They have to have more transparency. They're being more careful with their buyers. They're doing, you know, a radical thing called a buyer presentation. You know, we're used to listing presentations and we have coached and we have taught and we have personally used and all of our coaches have used a buyer presentation since day one. And those are very confident agents because they literally are not going to have to change that much. Now, agents will say, I'm not comfortable with that. I haven't had to do that with buyers before. Well, so that's a comfort zone that you have to break out of and get some flexibility and get some coaching and training on that and become comfortable. Find out what your broker is, is recommending. Find out what's now being required locally because not, not everybody has the same. I know that um, we're already seeing some new forms come out for seller concessions. Should that be a thing to ask the seller if they're not including a commission to use this form to ask for it? So we're seeing some legal changes already, but there's always coaching on that. I think living in fear of it is the wrong move. Um, I, I would be very surprised to see things markedly change, I, but I do think that agents are going to have to be more professional on the buyer side. But I've also, and we, we've said this as coaches and on the podcast for a very long time, that buyers have deserved that anyway. Why is it that we don't have, you know, buyer contracts like we do listing contracts and agents are quick to say, oh, you know, that buyer ghosted me or that, you know, buyers are liars or all, all these agent sayings. Well, did you present to them in a professional way and do you have them in a buyer agreement? You know, the definition of closing, as in closing for a signature on that agreement, is the logical ending to a great presentation. So agents who have tried to have that conversation and failed probably is because they didn't actually have a presentation where the buyer even understood really what they were asking. So transparency, providing overwhelming value and articulating that value. And then, you know, being very clear about how things could work. There's, you know, having the conversation, one of three things may happen, A, B, and C. I need to make sure that you're aware that those could happen and what we'll do in those situations. And when you do that, buyers appreciate that. They, they love that, you know, and that's how it should be, should have been done from the beginning. Um, by and large, our, especially our elite coaching clients that are one-on-one -on -one clients, and they've, they've been through the drill on all of that, and, and our premier clients as well, they're not really freaking out about it because 
we've talked to them about it in anticipation. You know, this has been a thing since we remember when we were selling in the 90s and oh my gosh, you know, buyer representation came out and we, what's going to happen? And, you know, it was kind of like, you know, when the MLS went online, oh, that's the end of civilization for realtor kind because people can find their own listings, you know, and I, I have, you've heard this too, where uh, one of the arguments I think was, what do we need buyer agents for when we can look everything up online? Well, if, if you as a buyer agent have not explained that you do far more than just look something up online, that you negotiate, that you know about home inspections, that you can help them with mortgage decisions, that you can, you know, choose a, a great title company that's going to, you know, get the job done, that you can do, you know, A through Z, then maybe you should be nervous about asking for that signature, you know? I mean, it's just a level of professionalism. I, I think if I were to summarize, we're going to have to up our game on the buyer side by 10 or 20%, become comfortable with it, and then it will normalize. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you talked about some trends moving forward. Are there, are there any other trends that you're seeing out there um, in the industry that you can speak to? Uh, I do think that the agents who are more proactive, more quickly, both on the issue we just discussed, but also... Mm -hmm. Finding inventory, um, knowing about new construction, the agents that are, I literally, I, you know, I like I, I uh, tease them that they're out in the real estate wilds. Mm -hmm. They are in the field, literally, mm -hmm. doing their business. Okay, they're mm -hmm. not hiding behind the computer. They're not waiting for things to happen. The most proactive agents are being rewarded at a higher level than ever before. Think about agents who do open houses in a low inventory market. I had an agent in Northern Virginia last week. She had almost a hundred people through her open house. Okay. Wow. She yeah. had three offers. It's definitely in contract. She has two potential listings as a result of that. And she's not done following up on those leads because there's so many of them. Now she's being rewarded for being proactive. And she's somebody who didn't just throw the open house sign in the yard. She has an open house system, which, you know, she's honed. Her husband helps her with it. They know how to get people to sign in. They know how to follow up. They follow up as close to the open house as possible. They use scripts. So it's not just like, let's try an open house. It's being proactive about doing the core business the right way. And so I, I absolutely see the trend that the most proactive, the most flexible agents who are out there are just being so rewarded. Like the ones I was talking about where they're being matchmakers, finding clients. You know, what, what really surprised me is... Um, one of our most popular podcasts was about door knocking. Okay. And that was, I think it was a four or five part series because we talked about how to decide where to door knock, what to say, what to bring with you, what you should know about the neighborhoods, all that. And I thought, well, what an old school thing, right? Everybody knows, everybody's heard about door knocking, but who really wants to do it? But the thing is that when you do it in an organized fashion and you keep track of what you're doing and you have real conversations, you're really being rewarded right now. Just to have a, a, a educated conversation with somebody, whether that's at coffee or at the door or on the phone or at the gym, where you can go facting or you you know you can mm -hmm. use the real data, people really appreciate that right now because there's so many headlines that want us to believe otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. and so even you have to also keep in mind the impact of pricing, right? So what was it um, most I think if you purchased a home in the past three years, I think what is the average? You have a 
appreciation, inflation, you know, home value has gone up 50% equity in three years. That's not normal. Okay. No, (laughs) it's not normal. All right. We have to realize that. But if you have those conversations, you know, people are thinking about what to do about that, how to deal Mm -hmm. with that. You know, that that's a pretty unusual thing. And so what has that done for our, our realtor friends? That's made the average sale price about 400,000, which means their commission yeah. after most, you know, most ways things work out is probably at least 10,000 for most nine mm-hmm. or 10,000, which means you have to sell 10 houses to make a hundred grand, yeah. 10. That used to be like 40. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> so that's an impact where, you know, they're getting rewarded at a really high level for being proactive. Many of our clients have a goal to do 24 in 2024. So they're, they're working on two deals a month, which most people, you know, most of your listeners, because they're educated, they're frosty, they're on top of things. They can say, you know what? I've done two deals a month. I could handle that. But it's doing them every month. That is the challenge. And that causes you to have to be very proactive. But the rewards are really, really fantastic right now for the agents that do do the things that, you know, create business, that are focused, that are leading with lead generation. And that do use professional presentations and do treat the buyer side with the presentation as well. Um, the, the rewards are incredible. I mean, look at the example I gave you of, uh, you know, Tammy's open house, one open house. She sold it. Okay. Two listings coming from it. She'll probably have a handful of buyers from that. And, and I think the house is a million three. So that was one event, which will create five or six transactions. That's a pretty rich reward for some focused effort. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. And like you said, it's it's not just holding the open house. It's having an actual plan and a system sure. in place to follow through on everything. I want to switch gears and talk a little more personal. So what was kind of that aha moment for you where you chose to pivot or you made a decision that you really feel like impacted um, the rest of your career or could be your your life in general? Well, since we're talking to real estate professionals, our deal Mm -hmm. at the top of your podcast here, I I wanted to give you an example of when we were selling real estate, a major pivot Mm -hmm. that we did. You know, as I said, we were, we were, used to selling about 100 to 200 homes a year, as it was a lot of work. And mm-hmm. we had, in, and again, this was originally, we were 20 something and looked like kids, you know? Yeah. And so and naturally a lot of those sales were first time buyers. We were, we were still in our first or second home and they were our friends from college and high school. But mm-hmm. then we thought, you know, for all of that work, maybe we ought to move across town and try out some luxury. And so we did, and it took a year to break in to New Albany Country Club in Ohio. You, you guys can Google it. It's amazing, beautiful community. At the time, it was a lot of new construction, and that was a major pivot. And I, I think that maybe it's not for everyone. We love all of our mm-hmm. listeners and clients the same, and we, we have you know every spectrum out there from farm and ranch to luxury to what have you. Um, but... That was fun. It was a great challenge. And a lot of people ask us, how do you do that? And there's only a few different ways. Now, agents will try to market their way in and spend a lot of money and it will eventually work, but it, that's a lot of marketing. That's a lot of videos. It's a lot of you know, social uh, online 
um, and it will eventually work, but you may get frustrated or broke before it works. So I'm not saying don't do that, but know what you're signing yourself up for. What we did is we went after expireds because that had the advantage that the agent that was already embedded in that community for whatever reason, didn't do the job. And, and we normally would not have been competing with that person because that was not our center of influence. We didn't grow up in a country club. We didn't golf. We didn't have kids in that school district. We were at a disadvantage. Okay. But when you find some really good expires and it doesn't take that many, that person's out of the running. So that was good. Also, because it was across town, our pricing brains were not quite as honed in. And when you talk to expired, you know what the wrong price is most times, sometimes know, at least it's a pricing issue. And then we would start to network in person. We would go to coffee. We would walk around the trail. We would park our car. We didn't even own property there yet. Um, so that was a major pivot for us because we still kept our old market, which had a, about a third of that average sale price, but it was a good challenge for us. And it also gave us a great background as coaches because we can speak to the luxury market. It is a bit of a different animal, but not entirely because those sellers want the same thing. And we eventually moved there and we had a great career there. So I think in real estate, that was uh, a very important move. And I think that the other one that I would say, you know, we had several where it was, you know, get back to the things that worked in the first place. How did, you know, how did we sell 103 houses our first year in business? Well, we did door knocking. We talked to a lot of people. We worked open houses. We expanded our center of influence. Um, you know, back then there was no making videos there. There was, you know, you couldn't buy a lead other than paying relocation. We did, we, but you know, we, we did start trying to hit the easy button for a while and then you watch your net go down. And I, I see this, you know, the FCC thing that, that was reported on where that those rules are all going to change and, and becoming less dependent on someone else's, um, system for you or, you know, even, you know, like videos where they've said, you know, we're going to favor videos that are shorter now. What are you, what if you were an agent that had a whole bunch of hour long, really fantastic content videos? Now you got to all start all over again, right? So becoming less dependent on other people or other companies and going, people will say it's old school or it's back to basics. Well, the basics are the basics because they work. And it's funny because when you interview agents, uh, right about tax time, gross versus net, right? It's very interesting, the spectrum of what their net was. Trying, you know, the agents that, that buy a lot of their business or have stiff referral fees for everything versus someone who has systematized, you know, three things. They're great with their past clients. They're great with new construction. They've got maybe some attorney relationships and maybe a builder, okay? Where by and large, they are not having a lot of expense to buy the lead in the first place. They can spend their marketing dollars promoting their listings, which in turn bring business to them. They are self-generating. That's a big pivot to either not do that in the first place or get away from it or look at it as what I'm leading with. And then I'll supplement with the videos and the social media and all of the things. It's not that that doesn't work. It's just that it doesn't work as quickly or as efficiently. Yeah, definitely. So, so um, we're running out of time. So I want to yes. do like kind there of a rapid fire based on all of that. Three to do's yes. for agents that could change the course of their business this year. Well, 
lucky for me, you sent the questions ahead of time. So <laughs> I, I wrote down three major things. Okay. Okay. Number one, work to generate new business daily, not just when you feel like you need it. Daily, like taking vitamins or brushing your teeth. And that should be a combination of being better with their database. Every, you know, every agent says I should have, would have been better at talking to my database because they know, love and trust you. It doesn't cost you any business. And you, oftentimes you're not competing for it. So be better with your database uh, more consistently. That combination plus some, something that's more, you know, a group of people who are more likely to need to transact faster. That mm -hmm. can be anything, your choice for sale by owners, for rent by owners, expireds, withdrawns, probate attorneys, divorce attorneys, people who are likely to actually need to transact now, relocation relationships even, okay? Mm -hmm. Number two, stay educated. As you guys say, reading is good. Stay positive, be enthusiastic, make your own market. If it's meant to be, it's up to me. You have to own your success. I had an agent I talked to yesterday, a new coaching client. She said, uh, let's see, she did 131 sides last year. And she said, even during COVID, I managed to do 71 transactions. And I said, how'd you do it? She said, I never gave up. I never, she said, I had to suffer five months of lockdown, but I never gave up. I never stopped talking to people. So stay educated. And you and I talked about a lot of different places between housing wire. Listen to our podcast, Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. Just search your podcast. We do one every single day. If you take one thing from each podcast and implement it, you're going to be more proactive. Stay educated. So have your resources, Altos Research, Housing Wire. Um, I go to newhomesource.com for new construction across the country. Your own local um, board of realtors reports and things like that. I read the NAR stuff. You know, they do some great reporting, especially na national stuff. So reading is good. And number three, double down on actually expanding your center of influence. How many people do you know and how often do you actually have real estate conversations? One of the things that I'm doing with my coaching clients is we're talking about having less to think about, less to wonder about, less, not more. So we're whittling down their weekly goals, weekly. Everybody has yearly goals. You think about yearly goals. Well, you know, we have 11 months to go. I'll get to it, right? Well, maybe I'll think about quarterly goals. I'll do a 90-day plan. That's great, but you have to be doing things every day. So we have a three by five card we work on that are their personal numbers. So many of them, especially 24 and 2024, it might look, I wrote down a sample, 10 past client contacts daily. You're gonna have to dial more to make 10. You might have to dial 15 times. Use your mind, right? Okay, one open house. Maybe you don't do that four weeks, but one open house because they're working so well right now. Five for sale by owner expired probate for rent by owner contacts. This is weekly. Okay. You can, you can make it daily depending on, you know, your skill level and your time. Um, three visits to new construction or meeting with new build reps. When somebody builds a million dollar house, what happens to their resale that they're selling before they close on new construction? That new build rep isn't listing it. Might they refer that to you? Okay. Two coffee dates with past clients or people in your center of influence and say four workouts. That's very common because, you know, you're doing something for your physical goals, but you're also talking about real estate at the gym. Okay. Mine, if I put my personal, I have a 365 day Duolingo challenge for myself. I'm going to do Duolingo in Spanish because we live in Puerto Rico. I have a kid that's learning Spanish. 
365 days. I am on day 15 today. Okay. So my, my yearly number is 365. My weekly number is seven. Um, we're going to do 250 podcasts. We're going to do 250 workouts. I don't even count how many coaching clients and coaching calls with coaches, but you get the idea is just know those numbers. Just work on just that. If you can do 10 client calls, one open house, five for sale by owners are expired, visit new construction once a week and have an open house and you do that every week, where would your business be? Less things, not more things, fewer things to think about, but notice that these are all proactive things. So that was my very long answer to your very short question. No, I love it. This is great. Um, Julie, thank you so much for joining the Real Trending Podcast. It, yes. You dropped a lot of knowledge on us here. So um, I think that people will need to listen to this a couple more a couple times to uh, write it all down. So thanks I so much. And yes. yep. And I, I look forward to listening to your podcast as well, uh, your coaching podcast. So pleasure. our audience can check that out as well. So thanks so much, Julie. It is my pleasure. I look forward to the next one and I look forward to all of your podcasts. It is always my pleasure and I love writing for you guys. So till next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Real Trending. If you haven't already, we'd love it if you'd take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. And we will see you next week with more news and insights. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>